Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Paddock Chat, a West Midlands Group original podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. I'm your host, Kira Holly, and I am the West Midlands Group's Communications Officer. Today on Paddock Chat, we're talking precision agriculture. Precision ag technologies have huge potential for managing variability in our agricultural systems. On today's episode, we caught up with agrarian management consultant, Bindi Isbister, to shed some light on how we can implement precision ag in our businesses to improve input efficiency and boost yields. Bindi also shared some great tips on where to start and how to tackle the roadblocks that many producers face when implementing precision ag tech on farm. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on information provided in this podcast. This conversation was recorded in early April 2021. Hi, Bindi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Kira. No worries at all. Thank you for joining us today to talk all things Precision Ag. We'll jump straight into it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm a um, soil scientist by trade and I currently work two days a week for the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development based in Geraldton as a uh, research scientist. And I also work three days a week for Agrarian Management, which is a local agronomy company based in Geraldton. And my role with them is as a precision ag consultant. Oh, great. And how long have you been in the industry for? So, yeah, I've been in the industry for about nearly 20 years. And I first started my career with the ag department down in Katani. Um, And so then I've moved um, up to Geraldton and back to Katani. So I've been around the state and I've had the opportunity to work with farmers all around the state on a range of projects, but in particular, controlled traffic farming and precision agriculture. So both in the research aspect and also then the development of extension. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So can you tell us what exactly is precision agriculture? Yeah, it's one of those terms that you hear quite a lot, isn't it, without really knowing exactly what it is. So um, in my mind, precision agriculture is about using GPS technologies to apply inputs. So it's about putting the right amount of inputs in the right place uh, using technology. Yep. Okay, awesome. What are some of the benefits of implementing precision ag on farm? Yeah, so um, using it on farm, I guess there's a few benefits. And the main one really is, I think, improving input efficiency. So as I said, it's about putting the right amount in the right place. So uh, we all know in our paddocks, we can often see variation and we might have multiple soil types. And often we can see, particularly when we're harvesting, we can see that some areas are yielding lower, some areas are yielding more. So we tend to put a blanket rate of fertiliser, say, um, across the paddock. But really, we can see that a low yielding area potentially needs less fertiliser than a high yielding area. Using um, precision ag technologies, and that's GPS, and then also sensors such as yield mapping or satellite imagery or electromagnetics and gamma radiometrics, we're actually able to map that spatial variation and particularly zone it up for soil type and crop potential, and then you can actually apply the right inputs to that area. Okay, so it sounds like you improve efficiency, which therefore improves, you know, it's a boost to your profits. Yeah, absolutely. So it is, um, yeah, so it is improving that input efficiency. So not um, 
overusing it, but also using it in a better way. So you do increase, um, hopefully, production, but that profitability, so helping you manage. um, Great. Getting started with Precision Ag, I think it can be quite intimidating for many. Where would you say they should start? Yeah, it is pretty daunting, isn't it, because it involves technology and computers, and look, we're all not specialists in that area. I think to start at Precision Ag, you need to start it for a reason. So actually identify a management issue that you're wanting to manage. Perhaps it might be potash, which is a really easy win for WA farmers. And then choose the technology to actually match that. So rather than just, say, getting a yield map and looking at it and say, how can I use it? Or um, a satellite image and saying, well, how can I use that NDVI? Actually think about it in terms of, well, I want to manage my potash, so what information can help me manage that potash? That could help me perhaps diagnose where my sandy soils are that need potash and where my loams are that, say, may not need potash. So, um, yeah, I think you really need to start with that management issue first and have a reason for actually doing it. And that way you also have a lot more incentive to follow the whole process through um, because it can be a bit time-consuming and um, take a little bit to set up and there is an investment required in maybe information but certainly in the technology for your machinery. And, and then your time invested. So, yeah, it's much more efficient if you actually choose that management issue and then choose the technologies. Say if we go back to that potash example and um, in the West Midlands area, maybe you have poor sand and good sand, but perhaps as you move back across to Mora, you're starting to have more, um, you know, heavier or loamier soils with some sandy areas in the middle. So you know that the potash is really just needed on those sandier sandy patches, not on the loam. So you can see that instead of spreading, say, 50 kilos across a paddock, you might just want to target a small um, pad, this small sandy patch, which might be only, say, 15 or 20. So that way you're actually um, yeah, saving input, but it also allows you within your budget to put the right amount on that sandy area rather than just putting, you know, an average weight across the whole lot. Right, okay. I can see how that approach would um, be super beneficial to anyone just getting started because it makes it a lot, it's not as broad and you've got a goal and you can move towards it and once you see that it's worked, then you can move on to the next thing. So we've talked about the great parts of Precision Ag. What are some of the current constraints of Precision Ag? Why, why isn't everyone doing it? Yeah, I think um, everyone's not doing it because it is doesn't require time and it has this thing called technology. And technology is wonderful when it works and it's incredibly frustrating when it doesn't. Um, you know, I think if anyone tells you precision makes simple, then you know it's probably going to take three times longer than you think. So it's quite easy, I think, to get a map, say, for variable rate fertiliser to apply it, but it can actually be much harder to get it in the tractor and, and getting it working. And that's because um, one, you need to have the machinery set up so that you have all the right um, subscriptions or activations or cables or controllers. And two, um, you need to make sure the maps and things are in the right format. And three, the operator actually needs to know what buttons to press um, in in the paddock and there, there is some element of ticking the right box. So I think, um, yeah, precision ag often comes unstuck, particularly um, during seeding and those high-pressure times and everyone's getting a bit tired and, you know, you're trying to change paddocks and put the prescription in in the middle of the night um, mm. and if it doesn't work, you just don't do it. So I think there's, yeah, that element of 
plug and play that's still not quite right um, in precisionary. And I guess, uh, you know, in some respects, yield data, collecting yield data and things, you know, we've had yield mapping technology on our tractors since for nearly 20 years, but not everybody actually has it working or um, connected. And I think it's those technologies such as yield mapping and NDVI that are a great place for farmers to actually start thinking about precision ag and looking at their variations because they almost can be collected automatically and most of our modern headers actually have all these systems there. So, you know, that's also a good place to start is actually looking at the data that you have um, yourself, mm. such as that yield mapping technology or satellite imagery and even your farm knowledge, so your grower knowledge. A really great little exercise, I think, is to actually have an aerial map and draw in your own soil type zone with variations. Awesome. So you did mention data. Like you said, we do have a lot of data already, but many growers say that they're not actually using so much of it and it's becoming another job that no one necessarily has time for. Any tips on managing this specific roadblock? So I think even if you are not using precision ag at the moment that you think you want and you have those technologies, I think it's actually worth um, paying a little bit of attention and, and setting things up properly. And, and as a minimum, just having consistent paddock names um, and boundaries is actually really critical because it's like, um, you know, just starting to organise all your data. It's a bit like the growing system in the office. Like if it's a bit more ordered, you know how to find it. <laughs> and go back to them, which um, some are good at than others. But, yeah, just those consistent panic names and boundaries. And as we start to integrate more of our agribusiness-type software, so things like AgWorld and and then our MyJohn, say if it's MyJohn Deere or our machinery systems and the um, precision ag data processing platforms, just having those consistent names and panic boundaries so you're storing all your data, um, like, well in the... Um, you know, so it's there ready for you when you do actually want to start using. Right. So organization should lead to more potential to actually use the data that you that you're producing regardless. Well, yeah, I think it's the first step, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we all know good plans. Yeah. Yeah, look, absolutely. I think that organization, yeah, is and, and that just that consistent name. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's is a really good place to, to start. Great. Um, and I think also the other thing, you know, you mentioned about the time and effort and precision ag does take time. And I think it's for growers that are starting to move into precision ag, I don't know any growers that have done it without some outside assistance, be it from, you know, the local machinery dealer helping get the technology working or your local agronomist to help you make those decisions about where or where not you might be able to variably apply inputs um, or, or even now, you know, a precision ag consultant that can help you actually manage that data process. So I think, um, yeah, it is, again, it comes back to having a purpose and when you know that you can make savings or increase your profitability, then you can see that by it's worth bringing in that extra help to actually get it working on farm consistently. because technology we have such critical times for seeding or a narrow window for seeding and mm. uh, applying our inputs that you need it to work um yeah. consistently 99 percent of the time 
rather than you know, 60 or a 50-50 guess because that's when precision ag does become very frustrating and you will tend to throw it out. So. Farmers, you know, they tackle so many different roles on farm every I guess what you're saying is don't be afraid to ask for help and that will be the best way to approach implementing precision ag for to save you time rather than having a crack not working. Yeah, I think it's about recognising um, like the skills they have, isn't it? And it's mm. And I think also just talking to um, local farmers because a lot of the technology um, is quite new and it hasn't really been used, so it's available, but it often hasn't been used practically. Yeah, I think farmers are pretty good at sharing their experiences with other farmers and, and working out how it works. So that can help um, streamline the process. So they might yeah. know which buttons to press or which things to avoid or, um, yeah, suggest how they can get it working. I think, yeah, talking to other farmers that are doing it is really important. So what are your golden rules of implementing Precision Act? Do you have any? Golden rules? I don't know whether they're golden rules, but I guess <laughs> you can. What about some tips? <laughs> yeah, let's go tips? So I think, yeah, the first one is have a management issue or a goal that you want to actually achieve. So you then choose the technology that was used rather than choosing the technology and then finding a management issue. Start with what that management issue is. Just if you're looking at using precision aid to variable rate input, so say fertiliser, is a big one, then just choose one product at a time or even any, I think, precision ag application. Just start with one application at a time and get familiar with the technology and not through um, how, to, how to do it best and um, you'll find that that will help achieve, like, get to your goal. Have consistent paddock names and boundaries. I can't stress um, how important and critical that is becoming and if Nothing else that would be my recommendation to um, farmers is get your management tree sorted with consistent paddock names and boundaries and have that flow through into all your paddock planning as well. Continuously ground truth and um, adjust your zone. So if you um, zone up a paddock into different management zones to apply input, it isn't a set and forget thing. So don't feel that you get locked into, into those zones. You can um, adjust them as you go along and as you collect more information. So, for example, um, some of the variable rate farmers that we worked with that started 10 years ago didn't have good yield data. So they chose to use electromagnetics, which measures the electrical conductivity of the soil, and the gamma radiometrics, which measures um, emissions of the soil, and they use that and um, one year of yield data to zone up their paddocks. And now over the 10 years of collecting data, soil testing, yield mapping, driving over the paddocks, they've actually now refined those zones um, and brought them back and, and changed them, I guess, along the way so that they're putting, I guess, the right inputs in the right place. So ground treating is really important with soil testing and your knowledge and other data because if the map on the paper doesn't match what's in the paddock, then it's actually not going to be very useful for you. And I, yeah, and I think that last tip is, yeah, just be prepared to ask for help. So, you know, bring in the people that can help you um, manage your business and get the process working most efficiently. Do you have any great on-farm precision ag success stories that you can share with us to inspire our growers? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, I think 
There are some really good examples. And the Potash one I mentioned earlier was, um, I guess, a really simple one, but I think it's a really great place for people to start. And perhaps before you even invest in data. So some of the farms we zoned up for Potash, we actually just do off soil colour. So we get an aerial image taken, and you can use Google, it's quite handy for this, but an aerial image that's taken in um, autumn or late summer when you can really see the soil colour. And you can actually draw in, like say, patch out those sandy areas like I explained before, and then create those into a variable rate map using... um, Perhaps you might have some um, precision ag software that came with the header, such as SMS or Farmworks or, or PLM. Or there are other programs that are available now online. Put that into a verbal rate map. So one of the farms I know, they were able to save 75% of their potash application wow. just using that. So that's, you know, yeah, just using the information that they have. 75% is a pretty amazing difference. Yeah, it is. I mean, that one's like a direct kind of saving. Um, yeah. Some examples of precision ag, particularly when they're talking variable rate fertilizer feeding, you don't necessarily save on your inputs, but it's about a better allocation of inputs. So instead of just applying an average rate everywhere, if you've got a low yielding zone, you know, you can drop back to fertilizer and put that extra fertilizer on to a high yielding zone. So then you're actually getting more yield out of that high yielding zone. And yeah. there have been trials done in the past with agrarian management and GRDC funded trial, um, had one about five years ago. And they found where they had um, zones that had at least a ton yield difference and they chose the optimal nutrition strategy for those zones, soil types and yield potential, they were actually able to get a $53 per hectare benefit. From that, so they actually spent seventy-five cents a hectare more on fertilizer, but they are able to get that better input because they put the right amount um, in the right place. So yeah, it's not always the input saving; it's just that better allocation of resources that matches the yield potential. And or in Western Australia, most of our spatial variation within a paddock is based on water use efficiency and plant available water capacity of the soil. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, matching that, um, the inputs to that water holding capacity that can help get you the benefits of managing inputs more effectively. Yeah. No, those are some fantastic outcomes. Can you give us a little bit of insight into what the future of Precision Ag looks like? Is there anything on the horizon that you know of that excites you? Yeah. Look, I think Precision Ag... Maybe the exciting part of it is that it's becoming a lot more plug and play and the connectivity. So um, some of the clients I work with now that are using the MyGMI operations centre, I think it's pretty exciting that that's now starting to integrate with your um, agribusiness software and, and we're starting to see it's just making it a lot easier. So if we generate the prescription, say, in, in Geraldton, um, we can send, wirelessly send the prescription up through my John Deere to the tractor. They down in Panama, you know, that's three hours away. Within 30 seconds of it sending the maps there, they can import it and then they're away variable rate. So it's just starting to become a lot more seamless and, and fast. 
which I think is is kind of exciting. And really, I think for more farmers to adopt that technology, that's what it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be a lot simpler, a lot less buttons to press. Um, yeah, I think some of the other exciting technologies that, that work on that is the, you know, green-on-green green spraying and some of those, like, instant sensors. Um, yeah. yeah. that kind of technology where it takes out that data processing. So it's an instant thing. It's just it's the paddock gets scanned with the sensor and the inputs get applied on the go. Um, yeah, I think that kind of technology is really cool and we can um, definitely see a place for that in our, in our farming system. So, yeah, there's so much technology being developed out there. And, you know, when I first started in precision 20 years ago, <laughs> none of these options are on the table. So, yeah, I think it's going to be quite exciting to see where it can go. Yeah, lots to look forward to. We ask this question in every episode to our guests. What keeps you interested in agriculture? What I- makes you passionate? Yeah, I, I grew up on a farm. So um, my dad was a farmer down in Kojanak. And I think he instilled in me a passion for the land and for, for looking after it. So that, I think, inspires me, particularly in that soil management area where soils are like the basis for what we do, aside from the rain, which we can't control. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just think um, I get excited working in agriculture um, you know, it does produce our food. It is a primary industry and it, we need to farm it for the future. So we need to farm for our, for our children and, and their children's children. So I think, um, yeah, working in the ag industry and we have you know, a really good reason, I think, to help make things more efficient and sustainable um, for the future. So to me that's really um, exciting and why I like working. I also like working in our ag industry because um, our farmers, they want to, to do better and they challenge things and they're always looking for the next best thing. So I think we're really lucky in Australia because our, our um, farmers and as an industry, we, we always want to do better and are mm. looking for new things. So, yeah, that's exciting too. Yeah, innovation, always exciting. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah, and I've been so lucky in my career um, to work in exciting areas like controlled traffic farming and precision aid because they are new and emerging and let's face it, every farmer likes machinery. (laughs) I've had to learn to kick tyres with the best of them. (laughs) Oh, great. Um, Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today about Precision Ag and sharing your knowledge. Where can our listeners go to find more information? Thanks very much for having me. There are a lot of resources um, that can be found. The JRDC website actually has a lot of Precision Ag workshops. Uh, sorry, um, resources. Um, they've had a long investment in Precision Ag with various partners across the Australian industry. So that's um, one place that I suggest starting. Um, there are other groups like um, SPA, which is the Southern Precision Ag Association, and even the Australian Control Traffic Farming Association, and and WANPRA and WA that also have a passion for Precision Ag, so they have lots of um, information. Yeah, and I guess often, like your local agronomist, um, and we have quite lucky to have a lot of Precision Ag specialists in WA. So I think there are a lot of resources out there um, that you can find. And uh, at the moment, I'm involved in a um, hands-on precision egg workshop series that um, the West Midlands Group are also involved in. That's funded yep. by GRDC and led by SPA across Australia. 
Um, and our component in the Girl Group is managed in WA is managed by the Girl Group Alliance. And we'll be running a second round of workshops um, coming up mid-year. So I think that would be a good thing for people to keep an eye out and they might want to come along and see how they can actually apply, have a go at applying precision ag. Fantastic, yes, and can highly recommend that first round of workshops that we did with you guys. It was fantastic and we're very much looking forward to the second round. So I'm pretty sure West Midlands Group will be helping to host another one. So stay tuned for a bit more information on that. And thanks again, Bindi, for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks very much for And that brings us to the end of this episode. But before we go, here are a couple of key messages from our conversation. Picking a focus or a specific problem you are trying to fix will make the job of applying precision ag tech on farm less daunting. Don't feel like you need to tackle it all at once. Clarify your paddock names and boundaries at the beginning of the process. And ask a professional for help. As Bindi said, implementing precision ag on farm can be seriously daunting as there is so much information out there. Talk to someone with experience, whether that's a consultant or another grower, about the best way to incorporate precision ag tech into your operation. We will include useful links and resources mentioned in today's conversation and a few additional ones in today's show notes. If you're enjoying our podcast, please make sure you rate, review and subscribe on wherever you listen to your podcasts. The best way to receive our updates and stay in the loop with the latest in local research and results is by becoming a West Midlands Group member. Visit our website www.wmgroup.org.au and head to the Become a Member page. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do. And finally, thank you to our sponsors and members without whom this podcast would not be possible. See you next time for some more paddock chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.